Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Joy worshiping this morning. Amen. You know, I always uh, believe that five minutes in God's presence is better than any sermon I could preach, any song that we could sing, any act of service that we could do. Nothing will change a person's life like the presence of God. And so thank you for worshiping this morning. Um, as you, you'll, you'll hear me just coaching you a little bit in that uh, over the course of this fall, just believing that as you and I, we welcome uh, and exp- the presence of God and, and express uh, not only with our voice, with our hands, but in prayer as we express that worship to the Lord. I know that his presence will come and he will change lives and people are attracted to that. I mean, there are enough churches with, um, quite frankly, far better preachers and probably far better worship bands, although Greg and the worship team, you do a fantastic job. Thank you, media team. Thank you, Dwayne and Steve, uh, who's not back there today, but we appreciate the work that you do. But I say that because it's not about a show. It's about the presence of God. We never are seeking to be a performance-oriented church. We're seeking for results in people's lives. How many of you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. And so what we do here on Sunday should be a catalyst for not only uh, what we do as a congregation through the week, but also what we do in our own individual lives, in in our families, or how we interact with our children, or even in our uh, at our work or in our personal devotion time with the Lord. What we do here in worship should be a catalyst to that. It should be something that ignites that flame and, and re-energizes it to a certain degree, um, as well as the Word. When you come in, I hope that you gain something from the Word and you leave going, oh, not only did you learn something, because it's not always about learning as much as it is about being challenged in your faith. If you attend, have attended here for two years since Jamie and I have been invited to come and be your pastors, if, if you've not been changed or challenged in your faith, then for, quite frankly, I'm not doing a very good job, okay? And, or you're not responding very much. It's one of the two or both, okay? And so I just challenge you uh, and myself that, that let God's presence, let his word get in. Sometimes we have a tendency to put up a wall and, oh, I'm comfortable, what will uncomfortable, what might people think if I lift my hands, or what might, uh, how might my life change if I actually applied what Pastor Mike was preaching about, okay, I guess, give it a try, and you'll find out, and anytime you let God move in your life, you are going to find your most important relationships become more productive, more enjoyable, you'll feel a closeness with Him that brings that peace that passes understanding. You will have a joy. You will have a confidence that God is in control of the details of your life when everything is falling apart. How many of you have felt that joy before? You don't know how you're going to get through, and yet somehow inside there's an anchor, and that anchor is God's word and God's presence. And so I encourage you as your pastor to enter into worship and to engage in his word. Uh, Today, we're wrapping up this series titled, Jesus, More Than a Man. And if you remember, this is a study through the book of John. Uh, John was uh, asked to write a fourth account of Jesus' life. There had already been three, Matthew, Mark. Actually, Mark probably wrote first, then Matthew, then Luke. 
And then, but at the early church's leader's request, they, they came to John and said, John, there's a, uh, a heresy going around that Jesus was, a, a, was merely a man, that he was a faith healer or just a good teacher or he worked some miracles, but he certainly wasn't the son of God and he certainly isn't the source of eternal life or the center of the Holy Spirit or the savior of the world. And so John took that task upon himself and began to write in, as I showed you at the first, he wasted no time in showing that Jesus was more than a man. In fact, John 1.1 says, God in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, speaking of Jesus, meaning Jesus' existence did not begin with the Immaculate Conception or the Christmas Nativity, which we celebrate each year. He always existed. And so that time, that Christmas time, really what we're celebrating is a transition when God became flesh and walked among us, I would say again, because as I showed in the second sermon, talking about how he was there at Jesus as the visible expression, the tangible expression of God in this three-dimensional world, molding Adam and breathing life into, into that, that dead body and bringing Adam to life and bringing everything to life, John says, and then later on giving through his breath this uh, spiritual life as I showed last week. And so we see Jesus bringing all things, uh, life and, and, and continuity, holding it together. And today we wrap up uh, this series looking at Jesus as the savior of the world, primarily in the context of the resurrection. See, what's interesting is that all four gospel accounts uh, record Jesus' resurrection, his death and his resurrection, whereas only two, Matthew and Luke, record his birth. And so we see a greater emphasis placed not on his birth, but on his death and resurrection because, quite frankly, the resurrection of Christ is the hinge that our faith pivots upon. If Paul said that if Christ has not been raised again, then we are of all men most miserable because we are putting our hope, we are putting our trust in someone who is still dead. We might as well follow any of the other religions that believe in, in the resurrection, of which there are only two. There are like seven, six or seven major world religions. But only the monotheistic religions, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, actually have some belief excuse me, some more than others in regards to the resurrection. The other religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, and whatnot, they believe in like uh, reincarnation or the transmigration of the soul. And so the resurrection is an impossibility. It's not even an option for them. And yet, when you look at the monotheistic religions, say like Muslims, for instance, Muslims believe in what's called a paradise, okay? And yet this paradise is, not, is only offered to men. It's not offered to women. There's no hope of a resurrection for women, except we do find in the Quran mention of the women in paradise, but they are there to serve the sexual needs of every man that is there. They're sexual slaves. And so we see this stands in direct contrast to the uh, resurrection as pictured in Christianity, which is freely offered to both men and women. And Jesus teaches that in heaven, men and women will not marry. And so while heaven will be a place of great joy, 
It is not a place of sexual slavery or gross sensuality as the Muslims believe it to be. As far as the other monotheistic religion, Judaism is concerned, there's little in the Old Testament concerning the resurrection, which is why the Jews that lived during Jesus' times weren't really all that concerned about it. They were more concerned uh, about their freedom from Rome. And so we find even today, only the ultra like extreme Orthodox Jews believe anything about the resurrection. In fact, most Jews are atheists. Most Jews are atheists. They, they don't even have a, a form of Judaism uh, anymore. And so uh, those who do believe in the resurrection actually believe that all Jews will eventually end up in heaven. And so this is, there's this very similar sentiment floating around that how could a, a loving God send anybody to hell? I, and, and even Marty Sampson, just this past week, him and uh, John, I forget John's last name, but the singer from Skillet got into a little bit of an of a online uh, um, battle of, of words a little bit in regards to Marty Sampson, a singer-songwriter for Hillsong, becoming an apostate, walking away from his faith, essentially. And John uh, came back against him and kind of corrected not only him, but also the church at large and encouraging us as, a, as a, uh, Christians all over the world to put our faith not in 20-something singer-songwriters, but to put our faith in the Word of God that's unchanging. Letting the Word of God set the tone for doctrine rather than the, the newest song that whatever band puts out, okay? I thought that was a very good post. And, and so Marty's standing there thinking, well, everybody's going to go to heaven. I can't see how God, you know, I sing about God's love and all this, and I don't see how God can send anybody to hell. And I'm saying, Marty, I don't know what Bible you're reading, brother, but you're not reading the same translation as I'm reading, okay? And so not everybody is going to end up going to heaven, contrary to what the Jews believe and some other people like Marty Samson believe. And so we see that the resurrection and what we believe about Jesus' role in that resurrection, whether he is more than a man, whether he is the savior of the world or not, it really is a watershed conviction for us. And so you'll hear me challenge you a little bit today in this regard, because what we believe about Jesus being the savior of the world, it, it determines whether or not we're going to experience the power of God in our life. It determines whether or not we will experience the power of God in our life, this belief. And so today we're going to take a look um, at one, perhaps two. We're just going to see how I feel. I ask your forgiveness today. Just, I just don't feel the greatest. And so my voice is kind of in and out. I appreciate your patience with me. Uh, but we're going to look at one and maybe two. Let's just see how I, I, how I feel here. The first passage that we're going to uh, look at because I think we should turn not only to God's word, but to Jesus himself, his teaching on the resurrection as uh, 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 the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life. Let's go see what he says about the resurrection. John chapter 5, verse 24 through 29. Now, if you need a hard copy of the scriptures today, I know so many of us read the scriptures on our phone or iPad, and that's totally cool. It's extremely convenient. I love that. But I'll be honest with you, I can't hardly replace a hard copy of these scriptures. I love holding it. I don't know something about always looking at screens that bugs me. But if you want a hard copy of the scriptures, right over there by our guest bag is a pile of Bibles. Just 
please help yourself if you do not have one. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It's kind of the unofficial, official translation at Cornerstone Church. Uh, John chapter 5, and we're reading verses 24 through 29. Jesus is uh, speaking, uh, and he says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself, and he has granted me the same life-giving power to his Son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I will carry out the will of the one who sent me and not my own. Father, I just thank you for your word. I pray once again that you would just anoint me as I speak. Anoint their, uh, the, this congregation's hearts to listen and to heed your word, to walk away not only having learned, but having grown in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, the, the key word or phrase in this passage of scripture is translated as rise again. And it's found in verse 29. Would you locate that again? In verse 29, you will see Jesus said, and they will rise again. That phrase, that word is used 42 times in the New Testament. It means to stand up again. It literally means to stand up because you were dead. <laughs> it refers to a literal resurrection from physical death. Speaking of standing up, there was a a new teacher, and she was trying to make use of her psychology courses. And so she thought, you know, somehow she could help her students at the very first, uh, first day of school. So she just went out there and she said, okay, guys, class, anybody who thinks that they're stupid, I, I just want you to stand up. And so after a few moments, one little boy stands up and he says, Johnny, do, do you think that you're stupid? And he's to which he says, no, ma'am, I just didn't want to see you standing up there all by yourself. Some good psychology courses are, huh? All right. Well, here, standing up refers to a literal resurrection from physical death. And Jesus is teaching us about the resurrection. He teaches us three things. Check out the very first one. You'll notice that he talks about when the dead will hear my voice, right? So very first thing is that everybody will be resurrected, contrary to what the Muslims believe, not just men, but also women, everyone will be resurrected. And Jesus divides everyone into two groups. You see them. He says those who have done good and those who have continued to do evil. And so he divides everybody into two groups and they are resurrected to an eternal existence somewhere. Now, the good, those who have done good, Jesus says here, those, uh, if you look in verse 29, he says those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. Okay? Eternal life in God's presence. This is our hope. Now, just a quick aside to this. Why is it that they will experience eternal life? Is it eternal life apart from God or eternal life because of God? It is the second. In God's presence, there is no death. 
And so whatever you put, you could throw a dead fish into God's presence, and it's going to come to life. There is no deadness in God's presence. No death. In fact, I've heard teaching, and I've, I, I believe this. What do we learn about Satan? He was created a beautiful creature, right? And he even disguises himself here and then as an angel of light. But as soon as pride was found in him, he was cast out of God's presence. And what does it say about him in Ezekiel? It says that people looked at him in terror and in horror at who, what he had become. Satan is an angel. But he is, because he's not in God's presence like he was created to be, he's like malfunctioning. He's self-destructing, if you will. He's not in the place he was originally created to be. What happens when you take a fish out of the water? What happens to it? What happens if you take a tree out of the ground? It dies. What happens if you take a man or a woman out of the presence of God? They die. You take an angel out of the presence of God, they die. In God's presence, there is life. And for everything he created, he made a context for it. And when you take it out of that context, that thing dies. And so you and I, we were created to be in God's presence. We read about in Eden how we wa he walked with us and talked with us as, as, with Adam and Eve. And there was life there. But as soon as sin was found, he was, they were cast out. Out of where? Out of God's presence. And what did he say was a consequence for that? Death and toil, and pain, and labor, and everything got harder out of God's presence. And so we see when he talks about you experiencing as a good, godly person, experiencing eternal life, what he's really saying is that he's going to put you back in that original context. You are going to literally be in the presence of God, and you will experience life like you have never experienced it before. How many of you will look forward to that? Amen. Amen. But he talks about uh, Jesus actually, one last point, Jesus actually says here, uh, let me find that again. He talks about them. They have already, look at verse 24, sorry. Look at verse 24. He says that these people, the, those who have done good, they have already passed from death into life. As far as God's concerned, their eternal life has already started. When I read that this week, I thought that's a really amazing thought. Even though I haven't physically died, nor have I been literally resurrected, I already, you already experience the eternal life that God has given you because of what Jesus did on that cross. I think that that's an amazing, amazing thing. So the second group of people he refers to as those who have continued to do evil. Now, one thing I want you to notice here is that only non-believers, only those who have continued to do evil will be... Uh, resurrected to, what's he say? Judgment. Look at the end of verse 29. Judgment. Now in that word judgment, there is implied this meticulous separation. A meticulous separation. When somebody is judging another or judging something, they are meticulously separating it and they are looking for something. Now you're probably wondering, why do I have a picture of the airport up there? Well, if we experience meticulous separation of our lives, it's at the airport, right? You kind of check in, you take your belt off, you take your shoes off, you take your watch off, you take your gold tooth out, you, you, know, you go through the scanner, you do this thing, the dog sniffs you. Thank God this country doesn't have cavity checks. Kind of loud, that would be awful. 
right? Some countries they do. I've seen, I'm, I like looking at pictures of what they do in other countries and, and they're just, it's full on pat downs here. It's ridiculous, right? There's a meticulous separation of our lives that occurs at the airport because they are looking for something. And when we stand before God, if, if a person stands before God and does not have that faith in Christ, they have not believed and listened to God's message. I'll talk more about that in a minute. God is going to meticulously separate their life. He will go through every aspect of it. Why? Because he's looking for that faith. The Bible teaches us, Paul teaches us that God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. And I believe that before anybody is, is cast out of God's presence permanently, he will meticulously go through their life in order that he is not making any mistake. He will dot every I and cross every T to make sure that there's no mistake. And so they will rise and be resurrected to this meticulous separation of their life and ultimately to this eternal judgment. Now, notice, notice back in verse 24 that Jesus says, I tell you the truth, those who listen and believe... I'm going to flip those around. Those who believe and listen will be resurrected to eternal life. See, believing is not enough. I find so many Christians who believe professing the name of Christ is enough. And they don't listen to Jesus' message. They want to believe, but they don't want to change anything about their mode of living. They don't want to alter the way they interact with their wife. They don't want to put the pornography down. They don't want to change how they talk to their spouse. They don't want to change how they interact with their children. They don't want to change their work ethic or how they treat their employees. They don't want to change anything, but they sure want eternal life. I say not enough. You don't want it bad enough. If they really, really wanted it, they would believe and listen. Because listening implies a change. And so what does this mean for you today? Well, if you're a believing Christian, a professing Christian today, if you're a professing Christian, then I want you to examine the depth of your faith. How deep does your faith really go? Does your faith take you beyond merely professing, merely believing? Do your attitudes and actions show that you not only believe that Jesus is more than a man, but that you are actually listening to his message? Has there been any change in your life since you professed Christ? Well, James says that this kind of faith, this faith that only believes isn't enough. Listen to James's words. This is James, the brother of Jesus who wrote an epistle. I love James's epistle. Can I just tell you why I love James's epistle? Because he doesn't put up with any crap. He does, he's like a no-nonsense, to-the-point type of guy. He, just, he tells you how it is, and I love it. I, I'm, I have to tone that down in myself a little bit. I'm pretty no-nonsense. I just don't like wasting time. I don't like wasting energy. If somebody has an issue... I probably will tell them, and I'll try to tell them as nicely as I possibly can. But sometimes people don't need nice. Sometimes people need it like, hey, quit it. <laughs> James says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Implied, no. Faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless. 
just merely believing is useless. He says in verse 19, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. He's like, whoop-dee-doo. Even the demons believe this. The demons know it better than you do. Because they've stood in the presence of God and they've seen him. And we read in the Bible about demoniacs coming in contact with Jesus. And what did they do? You want to have coffee? No. They freaked out. They begged Jesus, don't torture us. Let us go into those pigs over there. Don't torture us. You are the son of God. They knew who he is, who he was, and always will be better than you and I ever will. And he says, Whoop-dee-doo, you believe. The demons tremble in terror at this. He says, how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do and not by faith alone. You must believe and listen. There's an implication there. And so, if your faith is only a matter of belief, then I want to challenge you today to move beyond mere belief and to actually start listening to Jesus' message. If he tells you how to interact with your spouse, then doggone it, do it. If he tells you how to raise your kids, then do it. You and they will be better for it. Okay? Can I just say that he knows better how to raise your kids than Oprah. I'm just saying, okay? She's a very stylish woman, okay? She has her own magazine, right? But she's nothing like Jesus, okay? Order your life by his words. Let his words guide how you interact with others, and you will see uh, the quality of your life absolutely transformed. And so as we... Look at the resurrection, this second part of this sermon. I actually have two, two more parts that I'm not going to share with you today, but I'm going to send them, uh, maybe both this week, maybe like Tuesday, Thursday. I will send them to you as a midweek devotion, okay? I, I told you uh, about two weeks ago, I, had a, I answered the question, can anybody ever lose their salvation? And if you wanted to see that um, midweek devotion to sign up on your connect card at the bottom of your bulletin. And uh, several of you did that, and I sent that to you. If you would like to receive, if you did not sign up, but you would like to receive um, this, these other two parts in the midweek devotion this week, I will send them to you on Tuesday and on Thursday, okay? Just fill out the bottom of that form with your name and your email. In the lobby right out there, there's a little box that says connect cards. Taylor will pick those up. She'll add you to the email list, and you will see those. Cool? Good. Okay. So we're talking about the resurrection and Jesus being the Savior of the world. And I started out by talking to you about how of the six or seven major world religions, only three, the monotheistic religions, actually have some belief of of the resurrection. Islam believes that only the men will be resurrected. And I've shown you here in Jesus' words how that is not true. Everyone will be resurrected. Judaism only vaguely believes in the resurrection, which is why most Jewish people are atheists. And those who do believe, believe that everybody, especially the Jews, because of, just simply because of their nationality, will inherit eternal life. And Jesus' word says, hey, that's, that's not true. That's not true. Only those who believe and listen will be resurrected to eternal life. 
And so only Christianity offers everyone hope, regardless of who they are or where they come from. Only Christianity offers hope of life after death. And the only prerequisites to inheriting and receiving and experiencing that eternal life is believing that Jesus Christ is more than a man, that he is the Savior of the world. In closing, I just want to ask you to think about this. Of those three religions that have any form of belief about the resurrection, of the three, who actually even claims, let alone has proved, that the that the resurrection and his teaching is true. Is it Muhammad? No, because he's dead. Okay? He went in a cave and said an angel talked to him, came out with the Quran, and, you know, everybody just kind of followed along. Uh, then you got Moses, who pointed to Jesus, and the Jews somehow forget that, right? And he's dead. He died on a mountain somewhere, right? Only Jesus actually claimed said, I'm going to be resurrected in three days, and he actually did it. And there's historical, real proof that that was a real event, and he lives again. Which is why Jesus says in John eleven twenty five, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And so as Christians, we, our faith is founded on that. Our faith is founded on that, and we are not of all people most miserable because we have proof that Jesus has been resurrected and that he will come again and he will, we will be resurrected one day. Bible, te- Paul teaches us that the, those who, have, who are Christians who have died, they will be raised first and those who are still alive will be transformed in the blink of an eye and we will go and be with the Lord forever. How many of you hold on to that faith today? Amen. If you're here and you, you're maybe seeking and you don't really, you're not a Christian yet, you haven't made that profession, let alone started listening uh, to him, but you would like to learn more about Christ, please talk to me after service or send me an email if you're listening online. Uh, online. I'd love to set up a time and get coffee with you and, and so you can make a, an intelligent, informed choice for yourself. Would you stay with me, or pray with me today? Stand up and pray with me this morning as we close. Hallelujah. Let me just pray a blessing over your life today. Can anybody uh, use a blessing from the Lord this week? Amen. Amen. Lord, I just pray over every single person here today. I thank you that they, of all the places they could be, God, uh, I know the mountains are calling us and there are times when we must go, but God, you are calling us here into your presence today and I thank you so much that we came. For every person that came, I pray that you would speak to their hearts, that you would affirm their faith in you as being more than a man, being the savior of the world. Let the word of God just change us. Maybe move beyond believing and into listening to your words. We thank you for that. Go with us this afternoon and, and into this week. I pray a blessing over every person here. Lord, that you would bless their home, bless their marriages, bless their relationship with their kids, their work. Lord, bless their our interactions with their neighbors. God, the crooked places in their life, I pray that you would make them smooth in Jesus' name. Those obstacles in their path, that you would level them in Jesus' name. Let them be leveled in Jesus' name. That they would move forward unhindered. Whatever they need, meet that need this week in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Bless you. Guys, have a great week. You are loved.
We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.